Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with our co-anchor and executive producer, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? Doing really great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. We want to jump right into this with our good friend. Talk about leaders, innovators, trailblazers. I've run out of descriptors for Mark Burson, chairman of Fidelco Realty Group, also chairman of RWJ Barnabas Health, um, actually the largest underwriter of our public broadcasting work, big supporters of public broadcasting. Mark, how are we doing today? Doing great, Steve. How are you? We're doing great. Hey, listen, Mark, I'm tempted to ask you what deal did you make today? But, um, <laughs> but, but by way of background, let everybody know exactly what Fidelco is, and then we'll connect it to leadership, economic development, commercial real estate, et cetera. Go ahead. Um, you know, Steve is really an identity uh, for uh, me for our team. Um, years ago, it was as simple as um, we used to make up names for anything we did. Um, and then <laughs> being in a multi-story building at the time, the post office uh, could keep messing up mail deliveries. So we began to put a uh, identity, so to speak, in each new entity or things we did, and it became Fidelco. Um, that's, that's where it all came from. I've known you 20 years. I didn't know that story. Lessons in leadership finds out all kinds of things. Um, but whatever the name and the name is Fidelco, um, is this, you and I have had so many conversations about development, economic development, uh, the community of Newark, your commitment to Newark, a, why are you and your colleagues so committed to the development of Newark and, and the health and safety of the people of Newark? Um, you know, I, I think, Steve, it's part of the blood. <laughs> it's just, uh, um, I was born uh, in Newark, born at the Beth. Um, Beth Israel, yeah. right? Part of RWJ Barnabas Health. Uh, it, it is, and I was chairman of that organization for 18 years. Um, it, it, uh, I came back, interestingly, uh, really uh, dipped dip my toes into philanthropy, uh, coming back. I practiced law for a period of time. And then uh, in 1986, um, I was part of a team as we acquired National Car Rental. Um, that, uh, with its global presence, uh, eliminated the ability to, to be an active practitioner. Um, and so during that time, um, I was back and forth and uh, it was the heyday of the, or towards the end of the, uh, what was known as the LBO, the leverage buyout period. Um, Ray Chambers had asked me to get involved with this idea, crazy idea of creating the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. Uh, Governor Kane had spoken to him. And, um, I, I kind of gotten uh, bitten by the bug. It was, uh, it was another kind of development. Uh, up to that point, I think I was much more random. Um, didn't have the kind of capital to just go buy or build. Uh, I was a lawyer, not a, an experienced uh, real estate builder. And so um, the opportunity uh, to be involved in redeveloping a city had all kinds of um, nuances to it that just kind of continued to attract me. So what became, um, would I help out, became a passion. 
And the passion taught me a lot about urban redevelopment. And uh, if I was going to learn, why not learn in kind of a home base? And that's uh, really what started me. It didn't start me in the real estate business, but it sure uh, started um, the kind of scale and thinking uh, big about multiple transactions and uh, the impact that one property has on the next. And uh, it, it became uh, uh, an interesting place to play. And let, let's do this. Mark is also very engaged in philanthropy. Not only is he the chair of RWJ Barnabas Health, but Opportunity Project, Mark and, and a group of other people who care deeply um, created Opportunity Project. And we're honored to be part of that every year in an annual golf outing and fundraiser that, that helps those who have serious brain injuries. And Mark has been dedicated to that cause along with others for very uh, personal reasons. Mark, let me ask you this. The connection, and Mary will jump in a minute, the connection between philanthropy and leadership is? I, I think that you, to lead, you can't be so focused on the widgets that you manufacture or the building exclusively that you're in. You have to care about the people, your team, and those around you. And frankly, as uh, part of uh, our current mission uh, at RWJ Barnabas, you have to care about community. As Mary jumps in, check out our website, uh, stand-deliver.com for the last interview we did with Barry Ostrowski, who is the president and CEO of RWJ Barnabas Health. He talks a lot about um, the community, the anti-racism initiative at RWJ Barnabas Health, and a whole range of leadership initiatives. Mary, jump in while we have Mark. Sure thing, Mark. And you talk about balance. A lot of what we talk about in connection with leadership is the work-life balance, or some people call work-life integration. What do you find to be the connection between really taking care of yourself, taking time for yourself, and especially in the last 18 plus months with COVID, with many people working from home, the day uh, bleeds into the night in terms of work. So how do you balance um, work with your personal life and uh, health. I'm learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. Uh, my my uh, time, some might define uh, my, my uh, work uh, habits as a little bit uh, of a workaholic. Why uh, would you say that, Mark? You're very invested in your family. I know that directly and personally. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I seem to have an endless and boundless hours in a day. Um, because <laughs> I'm, I'm up early, I'm, I'm asleep late, and I, I work it all in. Uh, family is at the top of the list, for sure. Um, family, community, and, and doing our business. So, so you're not big on this thing called balance, huh, Mark Burson? Well, I don't know that I'm not big on balance. I'm, I, I truly am learning how to balance. Yeah, I don't even know. But no, we had a guest who said balance is not the right word. It's integration. That's, that's not a bad uh, thought. Look, in, you know, when you look at, at what we've been through in COVID, and I, I had uh, right. early on in a year ago, March, um, uh, came down with COVID. So I, I had an early lesson. Um, fortunately, I'm uh, recovered uh, fully from it. But the, the, uh, one of the things that was different that we're going through is that uh, this uh, work at home, people have discovered the home, 
and, and working remotely. Um, and so uh, the conclusion is uh, you would think, well, maybe there's a balance. Maybe we can do some work at home and, and like, uh, but as everything, there seems to be those who would suggest, you know what, I want to work at home all the time now. Um, and, and that takes away from what about thing called collaboration? That's right. What about face-to-face communication with uh, your, your uh, team, your employees, your employer? Um, I, I remember speaking at a, a, a Pan-Asian bar uh, association meeting a number of years ago, um, and the subject was internet and uh, the, the fact that uh, we, we just don't seem to talk to each other. We communicate with uh, an email. Uh, we communicate over the phone. Well, that's no way to negotiate. And uh, several of the judges approached me after the end of the evening to say, boy, you're so on target that this isn't the way it should be. Uh, how do we teach young lawyers that uh, you can't replace the face-to-face? You can't replace building trust. That's and right. Building trust across a phone line or through uh, email is not uh, necessarily going to be successful. And uh, Zoom is not easy either. Uh, it's easier. It's easier I'm, because we can see each other. Yeah, but, but I will tell you that um, one of the ways I, I balance today is getting started a little later. Uh, I, tr- I, I, I don't come into the office as early as I used to. I'm not the first one in. I may be closer to the last one out, but I'm not the first one in. And what's interesting about that is I'm exhausted when I leave. And mm-hmm. the question is why? And my, my analysis of that is that the intensity of being on Zoom or telephones or sitting at your desk all day. We used to go out uh, to meetings. Uh, so that had transportation, it had some fresh air. Uh, we would uh, grab a couple of, of the team and say, hey, let's grab a sandwich or something. We go out for lunch and we talk about matters of what we're working on. That doesn't happen today. Everything nope. has to be an official meeting and <laughs> schedule and, and probably on Zoom. And yes. so the re- result of that um, is, it, to me, I found it very exhausting, tiring, um, yep. and, and miss it. I, I've, I count uh, much of our success on the ability to communicate and the ability to um, build trust with people we're doing business with. And uh, connect on a human level. Very much so. Uh, it used to be this, right? This, this story was, uh, we do a handshake. I'm a lawyer. I know how to draft agreements, but you don't need an agreement with me. If I shake your hand, we got a deal. And you don't hear about that very much today. <laughs> no. But it, 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 it's, uh, I miss it. And I, I, I think that uh, young people today are too quick with the uh, internet and like, it's no longer... You know, I got 25 messages in a day. I got 150 messages today. <laughs> I try to respond to them all. And, and you think about it, each one is an interruption. Unless you actually turn off your phone or you walk away from your computer or you 
walk away from the desk. Um, somehow yeah. it, it, it uh, takes your attention and that attention is broken from something else. So um, I'm, I'm a believer that we're going to have main major classes in, in uh, uh, business schools, graduate schools and the like in communication again. And human communication, how dare we, human <laughs> communication, uh, how dare we overrate that? Hey, listen, Mark Burson, Chairman Fidelco uh, Realty Group, uh, Chairman RWJ Barnabas Health, uh, Opportunity Project, so many other important initiatives. Um, we wish you, your family, your team, all the best, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us on Lessons in Leadership. Thank you. Good stuff. Mary and I will be right back right after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been brought to you by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. We heard from Mark Burson earlier. Hey, Mary, let's shift gears. I did a, uh, an in-depth one-on-one interview with John Sarno, president of the Employers Association of New Jersey, talking about the post-pandemic work environment, the workforce, the shortage of employees, mm -hmm. all kinds of interesting issues. All that has to do with leading and managing in the workplace. You got anything more other than that? I just wanted to set this up. Yeah, no, I think that's great. So John really talks about what is the future going to look like because we're all working from home right now. What's it going to look like post-pandemic? So let's take a look. That's all of us, not everybody, right? It's going right. to be a mixed, complicated workplace. John Sarno coming up on Lessons in Leadership. We're now joined by our good friend, John Sarno, president of the Employers Association of New Jersey. Good to see you, John. Good to see you. Good morning. You got it. Hey, John, listen, we're, we're taping on the 22nd of June. We'll be seeing later. Mm -hmm. Again, moving target here. The most significant workplace related issues for employers would be? Right now, it's uh, making the transition back to um, post-pandemic environment. Um, very tricky, very complex. Um, I think that's probably the preeminent issue at the present moment, and quite frankly, going forward for the foreseeable future. So let's dig a little deeper here. There are some employers we've spoken to, for-profits, not-for-profits, academic institutions, et cetera, all employers. We're an employer, the Caucus Educational Corporation, PBS, they're employers. Why am I confused, and I'm not the only one, about whether employers can mandate that their employees get vaccinated? Well, uh, I think it's natural to be confused because um, 
you know, New Jersey has been operating under several executive orders, right? So the state has its own authority to respond to a public health crisis. On the other hand, we have the CDC and the OSHA guidance. OSHA which, is a federal agency around safety and protection of employees. Correct. In the that workplace. The sa safety and health. So um, oftentimes they uh, can be overlapping, but- uh, How about contradictory? In conflict, clearly. So I think that is, you know, probably accounts for why there might be uncertainty. And then you have the natural consequence of the vaccination being uh, voluntary. Um, we don't have a, a mandate uh, so that um, we're going to have probably close to 70% of adults at the end of the day fully vaccinated in New Jersey. Uh, many of them are in the workforce, uh, but that means that there is probably going to be 20 to 30% unvaccinated. So we are going to have a, um, a, a mixed bag with regard to who's vaxxed and who's not. But for employers, John, Devil's advocate question. Do they not have a responsibility? Don't they have a responsibility to protect all employees potentially from COVID by making Clearly. sure that all employees are vaccinated? And if you're not vaccinated, letting that person into the workplace is, is risky. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, uh, under existing uh, law and labor standards, an employer can require an employee to get vaccinated. Now, if the employee can, has a um, disability or medical condition, then, then okay. that might be an exception, but an employer could require the vaccine. There's no question about it. How about a religious exemption? Uh, yes, you'd have to accommodate a, a genuine, sincere religious uh, objection uh, similar to a medical condition or a disability. Uh, How about those, a political objection? Uh, no, no, no. Um, you know, those First Amendment type free speech issues would not uh, uh, be uh, in play in, in a private uh, workplace. Now, mm. if you're employed by a municipality, uh, a public employer, there might be a limited, a very limited uh, First Amendment right. But clearly, the welfare and the safety and the health of the workforce would outweigh a um, a, a kind of a free speech uh, type of argument that you can make even in a public right. workplace. Hey John, do you the whole the whole concept of normal back to normal, and then the term new normal? Yeah. How do you describe <clears throat> what you believe will be the so-called workplace of the future? Normal, new normal. Back to normal, no normal. That's a that's a great question because you know we have a tendency to be nostalgic and 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 you know sort of want to go back, back to this. I want to go know, back to this to, to this ideal you know environment. But like the normal pre-pandemic, you know, really wasn't that really wasn't that great for a lot of workplaces and certainly for a lot of workers. I mean, stress levels were high. Uh, the, the World Health Organization uh, had identified work burnout as an occupational illness. Um, you know, all of this, mm. all of this before the pandemic. So, 
I, I think there's probably a, a once in a generation opportunity to create better workplaces. So, you know, I, I see the new normal, not as going back, not trying to repeat what didn't work, but an opportunity to create better work for more people, better workplaces with health, safety, and engagement as, as the core human resource function. John, it's been 16 months since, in the Caucus Educational Corporation, our production company, not alone, yeah. 16 months since I believe this first, second week of March, 2020, that we have not been in an office together, but we're all functioning. We have a great team behind the scenes, a great producers, director, audio, camera. I'm, I'm in this studio with Scarlin, who's operating our camera, but everyone else is remote, but we're not everyone else, meaning, we can function in our workplace this way, I don't know for how long, and it may be for the foreseeable future, a long-winded way of getting to this. For those who don't fall into that category and can't do what we're doing like this, do they not all have to go back to the office together? I mean, precisely, you hit it right on the head. The, 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 the pandemic laid bare on multiple levels, the inequities, both in the economy, in the workplace and in, in our communities. So yes, you and I have had the privilege to work from home, right? By virtue of our occupation, by virtue of our education, uh, by virtue of the, the businesses that we run. But for 80% in the service economy, which has to work face-to-face, -face, um, they risk their lives. The essential workers put their lives at risk. Um, and uh, these are not like great paying jobs in any event, healthcare, yeah. um, uh, you know, public, public service type jobs. So, um, you know, I, I think we're gonna have to address those inequities because the normal, again, wasn't that great for these essential workers. And, uh, Sorry for um, interrupting. I'm yeah. up against the break right here. Real quick, give sure. me 30 seconds on, I have a leadership question I'll ask you separately. But real quick, on the workplace shortage, there's oh, a legitimate yeah. workplace shortage, is there not? Totally. Real. Totally, totally real. A lot more of jobs are vacant. More jobs are vacant than people looking right now. And for those of us who are skilled, uh, what we've learned during the uh, pandemic is that maybe we don't want to go back to that employer. So, so not wow. only are the job vacancies up, we have a 20-year high a 20-year high of people quitting their jobs right now. Um, now you got me thinking about all of our team and I'm hoping, praying that nobody does that with us. <laughs> well, we, we have a job to do. I mean, that's our job, yeah, right? to nurture and to mentor yeah. and to retain. Yeah, and creating that healthy, safe, productive environment. Hey, John Sarno, the president of the Employers Association of Jersey. Thank you, John. You bet, take care. See you soon. I'm Steve Adubato. That's uh, Mr. Sarno, we'll be right back. Thank you to John Sarno of the Employers Association of New Jersey. Hey, Mary, shifting gears dramatically, which we often do in lessons in leadership, got a few minutes left. I'm fascinated by, you know, I've been teaching about, writing about, thinking about media communications. What does that mean? I interview people all the time and I can tell who's really good at it, who's not so good at it. Um, and I'm fascinated by how presidents and people in public positions communicate under pressure. Yes, in the future, we're gonna show that classic video of President Trump, and I don't care whether you like him or not, voted for him or not, of him talking about disinfectant in the press conference under the skin, put the light on it. Let's just say, I call, I, Mary, what does this mean? A goalpost. 
Mm-hmm. What's, what's you, the goalpost, Mary? So, and what we, you want to do when you're communicating an immediate interview or, frankly, any situation, you want to have your boundaries of what you're going to say, what you're not going to say. So, that's making sure that you're staying within those goalposts and not going way outside. And I'm a big fan of disciplined public communication. In this case, the press conference was already over. It was the summit having to do with President Biden and uh, Vladimir Putin. He does the QA, President, and again, it's not political, it's leadership and communication. He does the Q&A. He's got his script with everybody's name, who he's supposed to ask for. I imagine what their question is. Who knows? Everything seemed in order. A little rigid, if you ask me. Then the press conference is over. Take a look at this video of President Biden. I don't care, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. This is poor leadership and communication under pressure because it's an unforced error. Nobody forced him to do this. Let's check it out. I'll say again, we can't hear you. I said the families of the detained Americans came up and we discussed it. We're going to follow through with that discussion. I am I am not going to walk away on that. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not Yeah. Hey, so Mary, here's the thing. First of all, CNN, um, and we have great friends at CNN, at Fox News, MSNBC, other places. They're pretty fair with the president. Caitlin Collins asked him a question. How do you know you can trust Vladimir Putin? And Biden loses it after the press conference. (laughs) Then he attacks her personally and says, you're in the wrong business if you don't know. Then, of course, he apologized later. What's the leadership lesson there, Mary Well, first, first and foremost, not to make this political, because it's not. That's very out of character for him. So I always, you know, everyone can make a mistake, a slip up. You're, you could be hangry, uh, right? A little bit hungry and angry. Hangry. <laughs> hangry. But unfortunately, it did happen. And the way that the media works sometimes, they do tend to focus more on the negatives rather than the positives. But at least he did apologize later. Uh, That's the most important thing. If you do make a mistake, if you say something out of character, we all get to a point where we can be pushed a little bit too far. And obviously, that's what happened right there. But you need to keep your cool, especially in a situation as public as that. Yes, I'm a fan of the apology, taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. My favorite book, as you know, Extreme Ownership, right? Let's say President, uh, (laughs) President Trump, when we show him in a future interview talking about, you know, Dr. Burke, she can take the disinfectant and shoot it during COVID, right? Press conference. Shoot it, put the light on it. Never apologize for it. Again, I don't care whether you like him or not. Irresponsible, out of bounds, out of the goalpost, not accurate and potentially dangerous, particularly if people did it. I give Biden credit for apologizing, but I don't give him credit for losing it. Now, I've lost control, too. But losing control privately and publicly, two different things for a leader, Mary. Sorry, it is. It sure is. And that is a very public stage. So you need to definitely think twice before anything you say in public. And I'm sure he regrets acting that way. And, he, and let me just say this. 
when someone says, and listen, I've been in this situation, you made me do it. Caitlin Collins from CNN, CNN didn't make President Biden lose it. He just lost it. So as leaders, and trust me, I have lost it. I can't blame a bad shot in golf or I got somebody on the staff got me angry. We have to own our actions. Our responsibility is how we is that we conduct ourselves. So in saying someone made us do something, it's weak. Listen, we're going to have a bunch of different clips from all different people, sports figures um, who are accused of throwing something, the ball a funny way, the pitcher with the Yankees, Jared Cole. We've got a bunch of other people, uh, Trump, as I said, a whole range of other people. We have to carry ourselves as leaders, not perfectly, but with executive presence. Handle your business. Mary Gamba, Steve Adubato. Yes, Elvin, I see. I have to say goodbye. He's, by the way, I always know that Elvin's like this. Mm -hmm. Tom, yeah. cool, collected. He wouldn't have lost it with CNN. No. Lessons in Leadership. Mary, Steve, see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been brought to you by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.